Welcome to The Black Print, a thrival guide for emerging BIPOC architects. My name is Meredith Everest, and I'm a practicing architect and partner at Bayless Architects in Bellevue, Washington. Through this series of podcasts, we will spotlight the underrepresentation of BIPOC individuals in the profession and explore the barriers to entry. We will also reveal a roadmap through candid conversations with architects who are navigating successfully through the profession. So if you are interested in or are on the journey to become an architect, I hope this podcast will motivate and inspire you to stay on the path until you reach your highest level of success. As I kick off episode number one of this podcast, I am enjoying the headline celebrating the first black woman to become president of the American Institute of Architects, Ms. Kimberly Dowdell. Can you believe that in the 166-year history of this organization, Ms. Dowdell is the first black woman to fill this position? It's kind of crazy, but the reality is that architecture is a white male-dominated profession. In fact, according to the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards, 43% of new architects are women, 10% are Hispanic or Latino, 15% are Asian, and 3% are Black or African American. And to put a finer point on that, Black women continue to be the most underrepresented group at 1.2% of the new architect population. These demographics highlight that the path to a more diverse profession is a long one, but we are making strides as evidenced by the advancement of Ms. Dowdell and also my guest today, Ms. Susan Fryson. Susan is truly a trailblazer, being one of the few licensed African-American female architects. After graduating from the University of California, Berkeley, with a Bachelor of Art in Architecture, Susan spent several years in Chicago working on both public and private projects before she returned to California and then eventually made her way up to Seattle. Susan is a senior associate at Weber Thompson, an architecture firm here in Seattle, where she specializes in residential high-rise design. So welcome, Susan. Thank you. So I want to hear more about your work career, but before we start, I'd love to hear about the early years. Um, tell us about how you got into architecture, what introduced you to architecture, and then you know, your journey from the early days. Well, it's an unconventional story, like, you know, as you probably have the same experience, a lot of your coworkers or classmates um, had some type of an architectural background in that, you know, a relative was an architect, a friend was an architect, or they just knew what architecture was, and I did not. Um, my mother's a nurse, and I was thinking, well, I'll go into nursing, because that's what you do. Um, and I guess, but she also took, this is an interesting story, she took better homes and gardens, and they used to have these little, I want to say, renovations of kitchens and things like that. You'd go through mm -hmm. the plans, and it was like, oh, this is kind of interesting how it started here, but now it's here. And so I got into the drawings. I really like drawings. And... Um, my dad actually told me about architecture because he said, well, you know, if you're really interested in that, um, maybe you should look into, actually, he said, into interior design. I thought, no, <laughs> I would be an architect. Okay. Somehow I had found out about architecture. So that's how I decided to go into architecture. And I, it was kind of late, not late, but I was in high school still. So I took drafting and um, applied to a couple schools. One nobody ever gets into as a fresh, as a true freshman, that would be Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Did not get in there, but I did get into Cal. 
Um, so I decided to go to Cal and get into the architecture department or, or program. Like so, as a as a, my freshman year. But, okay. So well, yeah. tell us about college. <laughs> <laughs> tell us the parts that you can share <laughs> about college. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Berkeley's a little <laughs> Berkeley esque, but um, actually, it wasn't. It was, how shall I put it, Berkeley in the real world, and I'm talking about populations of folks in the real world occupation, totally different because we actually had quite a few blacks, African Americans, in, um, in the architecture department, both in graduate school and in undergrad, because um, I think like there were probably five of us which is a good amount in architect like were that were undergrad that all moved together, and then there were a couple that were above us still in undergrad moving together, and then there were three or four in grad school, you know. So, and of course, then you know you get out into the real world, and it's like where where are all, <laughs> where yeah. are these people? So, do you think the university recruited the students of color? Well, this was pre-affirmative action, or not pre, but during affirmative action, okay. so that could have been part of it. Um, but we all deserve to be there. We all graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, you click the box, basically, on the application, if I remember correctly, and you still had to write your essay, and you still had to take the ACTs and the SATs, and still had to have a good GPA, and um, and Cal was also looking at extracurricular activities, so um, we came in declaring architecture. Mm-hmm. And so approximately what size was your class? Ours was actually pretty large <laughs> compared to other universities. Okay. I, I think they were just trying to get everybody out of there at this one time. I'm just kidding. I want to say it was over 100 and some odd. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And five of us were black, so. Okay. Yeah. We all sat together at graduation. Okay. Well, you had a support group. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. out of the five African-Americans, mm-hmm. was there as as many women as there were men? Was it about equal or? That's the other thing. I want to say it was equal, if not more. I think we had four women and one guy for undergrad. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Now, if you out of the five, <laughs> two of us are licensed. Um, and so myself and Ron Jones, who's in um, San Francisco, he's got his own firm there, or he's partnering with two other people. And um, the other, I know two people, one of which is a good friend, a sorority sister of mine, um, after she got, she went ahead and got her master's, but she got a law degree. Mm-hmm. And also another um, classmate, um, got her law degree, so they kind of they went separate. They stepped away from traditional architecture, um, and then the other two kind of I have no idea what happened, okay. you know. So, and do you find that the university was supportive and provided the resources you needed? Uh, for the most part, I always okay. thought that it just in general architecture gets the the. Um, they're low on the totem pole when it comes to <laughs> Yeah, like you said, we're off on the edge of campus in right. the dark corner. <laughs> Don't get all the resources. No. I mean, even with, yeah, they've just started having career fairs, I think, for okay. architecture specifically or for that college of environmental design. 
well after I graduated because, you know, you're looking for an internship even, and it's like, oh my, if, it's, if you don't know anybody, you're just kind of out there, or just, you know, it is what it is. So, so I think we relied on specific uh, professors. Um, we had a few African-American professor, professors at the time, which was good. Um, oh, and there was also the Black Environmental Design Students Association. So that was part of the College of Environmental Design. And it was supposed, it was like the Black Students Group. So it was more of a, I guess, in support. It was just kind of like peer support as far as just we met once a month and chatted probably more so. And you, I mean, as undergrad, the undergrads listened to a lot of what the grad students said, you know, as, as far as their um, uh experiences were happening and things like that so oh, that sounds like a great program so it was it, it had its moments that no, was good <laughs> yeah just to know that there are peers that you can talk to and true. you know learn from true okay. so uh what about a port um a portfolio is that something that was taught in your school or did you have to learn that on your own we kind of had to learn it on our own okay that was yeah yeah because I know nowadays I thought if I had my, if you saw my portfolio back in the day and when I brought that out, this like now they'd probably think I was in high school or kindergarten. So. I know, mine was really rough too. It's like, and I got a job somewhere. I know. With this. It's like, yeah. were they, were they, were, were they desperate? I mean, I, you don't want to say that, but it was just like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have anything to compare it to. So yours was probably stellar. But yeah, but we would, what do we know? Yeah. So. Okay, so you gr- graduate from college, mm-hmm. and then tell us about your journey from there oh. to Chicago and back. Well, that my Chicago journey started with my older brother, who's a civil engineer. Um, again, because, you know, we're like, also, I, when did I graduate? I graduated in a, at the time of one of the recessions. I won't say when. Okay. <laughs> but um, he moved to Chicago, and... So being an engineer, he had, and he'd been there a couple of years, so he had some type of networking going on. So it literally was, write this firm and give this person as your reference, write this. So it was like, okay, you know, and one panned out. And I actually didn't fly back to interview, so I didn't have to use the portfolio. (laughs) Like, I I interviewed over the phone. I went to an engineering firm first um, and worked. They They had... They had a small architectural department, but it was more so of one person who was an architect working for the state and would come in and help them out with any projects that they needed architectural work on. So I worked under him and then also did drafting that was needed. You know, I was a drafter in a firm that was doing electrical, mechanical, and structural. Yeah, I think that was the big three, which beneficially I was able to read, you know, engineering plans because um especially electrical because i was doing that was a bit more um they did more electrical work than mechanical so it was beneficial yeah that's a great experience to get that mep because especially for Mm -hmm. your exams i bet that helped a lot (laughs) (laughs) i know that was a tough part of the exam was was the mep oh my goodness that was really tough okay and so how long did you work there just a couple of years, okay. um, and then went on to my first architectural firm. So, which was I think did like strip malls and things, but mm-hmm. still, you know, you 
get started. And of course, I think we may have the same, like have had the same experience where there's no, I don't think they'd started IDP, IDP yet. Yeah. And then it was like baby, it was in its infancy. Yeah, and it was, same. Yeah, nobody knew how it really worked. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, I'm glad I did actually work for an, an actual architectural firm um, because you had to get, you know, your years signed okay. off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In Illinois, I think um, the magic number was nine. That's the year, you had to have nine years of quote unquote experience, and that included school before you could actually start taking the exam. Okay. Yeah. I think Washington yeah. was similar when mm-hmm. I started the exam. So mm-hmm. did you start your exams in Illinois? In Illinois, yeah. Okay. In, yep, yep. Um, yeah, and since I had a four-year degree, I didn't do the plus two. I had the four-year degree. I had to work for five years with an architect. And so I was I was able to use those two years with, I think his mm-hmm. guy's name was Randy at the um um, engineering firms like I will sign it for you I will sign it for you don't worry it's like okay you know and so I was able to start right at the ninth year awesome so yeah because I think that probably just because of that I think that throws people off a little bit which I can understand why they kind of wanted you to actually work before <laughs> yeah for that experience yeah, yeah. I actually finished in Chicago in Chicago California when I moved okay. back to California that's when I finished up okay so, yeah Okay, so you're licensed in California and Washington mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's impressive. In California, that's not an easy exam. No, that's, I've been, I'm holding on to that license. I'm never going to. People say, oh, you should just let it. You know, no, it's like, don't nope. let it go. <laughs> don't let it go. That will be too much of a hassle to try and get that back or get it reinstated. So, Okay, and then here at Weber Thompson, you mm-hmm. are you know, an expert in the high-rise construction well (laughs) i've worked Uh, on a few high-rise projects here yeah well that's rare for especially women of color to be in that prestigious you have those opportunities yeah it's been i i've been pretty uh it's i like weber thompson it's been pretty satisfactory so far so yeah i interviewed they needed folks in high-rise and i'd done some more kind of at my old firm watg uh, prior to that, they are known for hospitality. And we did, um, I think what got my high-rise experience on the boards is uh, we did a a, a complex in um, Dubai that were high-rise towers um, that we laid out. I, I can't remember how far we went with them because you have to, you know, it's foreign country, so they basically, you, you hand off mm-hmm. and let, okay. and so, let yeah. the architect, the local mm-hmm. architect of record mm-hmm. do what they need yeah. to do. Okay. So, so that was my, that was my high rise okay. <laughs> experience and it, and it, and it worked. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, but yeah, I've been, I, I'm actually pretty excited about, you know, working, uh, my work with Weber Thompson because I was, I have, I mean, I will be about 10 years here in November, and I've actually been able to work on at least five towers. So, which is interesting. I mean, I've been in Seattle Seattle since 2006 and have seen the area basically change, and it's just like, I remember when these were parking lots. I remember when this was this, you know? So it's kind of neat to be part of, like, 
the transformation or the growth evolution of a city. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really awesome <laughs> to, yeah, to remember when it was very different mm-hmm. and now see and experience the transformation over yeah. a decade of time or a couple of decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how I think it's positive personally. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so you and I met... Uh, when we were co-chairing, or when we were on the mm-hmm. diversity AIA Seattle Diversity Roundtable, yes, many many years ago, or not that long ago, <laughs> and so yeah, way back we, in the day, <laughs> way back in the day, and we co-chaired together. Yeah, and I know you're pretty active with AIA, as well as um, well. Currently, you're on the Jedi Task Force. Mm-hmm. Oh, with the council now. They made us a council. Okay, the yeah. the AIA Seattle Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also on the public policy board. Yeah, yeah. And tell me more about some of the organizations that you're active with. Oh, well, of course, NOMA Northwest, okay. which is the Northwest chapter of NOMA. Um, I think I'm on four committees with AIA Seattle. So that's like the most active okay, in AIA I've ever been yeah. <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and thanks to you... <laughs> Because you pulled me onto member of advancement. Oh, that's right. That was me. I just knew you would be awesome at it. I mean, that's a committee where um, you get to share who you know, you know, and so you know more people than anyone else I've ever met. Oh, come on. (laughs) And keep track of more people. I just, it's very impressive. Well, thank you. So, something else that intrigues me is Mm -hmm. your experience with the the guides to equitable oh. practice. Um, I understand this is something that AIA National mm-hmm. started, correct? Actually, I think that um, Renee Chang, who's now at, at the dean at UW, I want to say she started writing those okay. when she was still in Minnesota. So the guidelines are based on um, equitable practice, and they're written in such a way that it's kind of like basically guiding firms and individuals in how to recognize cultural and um, cultural differences within your firm, within the, um, your community, the communities you serve, <coughs> and keeping these things um, forward in, your, in mind as you're doing your design work and also in your respect for uh, yourself and, and others. And I want to say there were nine. And some have to do, had to do also with like, um, which was great for, for women, especially in younger staff, negotiations. Um, as far as, you know, pay negotiations, that type of thing. So um, in a nutshell, we had these nine components. We set up seminars where we would, the homework would be the participants would read, if they had time, they were kind of long, (laughs) read the guidelines. And then we'd come into our sessions at the AIA and kind of break off and to breakout groups and go through the points and just talk about our own experiences and and um, other things that resonated as far as that you know um, whatever the topic was so um, we had scribes and then we come back and, t- and share the results so it was kind of like a, in a way a big therapy session but it, it it we got good feedback so and this was done back pre-covid I want to say in 2018, 2019. And um, I don't think it's been duplicated, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So, and the guidelines are available on 
AI's national website. So, um, yeah, it was it was really rewarding to be in that group, um, and it was. I guess what do I want to say? We weren't. We included anybody who was in the AEC community. So we did have some engineers and some contractors, a few that were able to to participate. So, but yeah, it was it was. Um, it was, it, was, it was phenomenal. That's <laughs> yeah, it's a great mm-hmm. idea, and mm-hmm. I think it still serves as a great resource mm-hmm. for firms and individuals, yes. as you described. We actually, um, uh, one of my ex-coworkers was in part of that initial group with AIA Seattle with me, and um, we actually brought that same process to our office and used the guidelines. At that point, they were actually, they had been published, so we did a sort of in-house version of the same thing. Not all nine of the, the components, but basically the uh, consolidated version. And it went over pretty well with our with our, our people. I don't know. I, I'm assuming a good percentage learned something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you never know. That is true. <laughs> that is true. You never know. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, I admire you, and I admire all that you've accomplished, and I would say that, I mean, you are what a a young black woman could aspire to be if they're interested in architecture. And so, will you let us know your opinion of why someone should choose architecture as a career? Why you should choose Yeah, and maybe you know, compared with that, is what advice would you give to someone who's considering architecture? I would say, um, I think nowadays people know they are more aware of what architects do, which is great, or what architecture is, and also that architecture can be a foundation to a lot of other occupations. Um, So, in that sense, I think. If I were young, I, I would think I would do it again, truthfully. Um, I like it because it encompasses art, um, obviously creativity, um, a holistic look at, at, at a problem, um, a lot of project management, and, and um, being able to, as somebody said, herd cats, but you know, <laughs> keeping the whole team together. Um, it's just, it's a really interesting, all-encompassing uh, occupation. And you can look at something, and for the most, you should be able to say, hey, I worked on that, you know, and go and touch it. It's something that's tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, for any young black woman looking into architecture that has, that likes those qualities, for sure, I would say, look at it. But you have to, you have to be in love with it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. No. It's just, be prepared. You know, it's not gonna, it's not easy. It's not gonna, you know, jobs are not just gonna come running your way. Um, But any, I think it's the best profession that actually lets you, this is gonna sound bizarre, but get paid for being creative. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and you don't, and it's there's so much to it. Like I haven't, I have to get back into it. But and I don't know about you, but I haven't drawn, you know, in years yeah, by hand, by especially. hand. Yeah, I'm just gone out and sketched. It's like I need to get back into that. Um, but you, it's it's you're using. I think you're just using all of your 
all of your senses, all of your faculties, you know, in architecture. And like I said, I think it's also it's a really great foundation for for other professions because um, we were mentoring some kids. You'll probably talk about this with the Project Pipeline Architecture Camp that um, NOMA Northwest put on, which is part of NOMA's full vision. And we were talking to a kid, the young man, actually. Um, he's like, I don't want to be an architect, blah, blah, but I want to go into film. And we were trying to tell him, he's like, you know, you don't have to go into architecture, but in this program, you kind of see how these things work. And this foundation can help you in film, set design, that type of thing. One of those things, I think it's a great, a great springboard mm-hmm. to anything mm-hmm. you want to do outside of medicine. But <laughs> and I guess as far as like advice, if you're shy, just in your in school, find someone who, you know, you can who can be your mentor. And they're pretty you should hopefully that, you know just do it. <laughs> yeah, would you say that you were one of the shy students? Or more I, introverted? I was kind of kind of a little bit of I would say introverted, truthfully. I don't think I I I wasn't one who went out and sought you know, a mentor. I was lucky to have some extroverted friends, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of mm-hmm. coattail every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's good advice, both mm-hmm. for the emerging architect to, if you tend toward introversion, mm-hmm. you know, do what you can to try to outreach. Yes. Um, but also good advice for someone who is maybe at a, a higher level in their profession and you mm-hmm. see someone who might be more introverted, you know, how can you help expose uh, yes. them to opportunity mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. resources? Check, yeah, check in on check them. Check-ins, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for oh, inviting me to this fabulous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will likely invite you back. Oh, thank you, thank you. To learn more about the AIA Guides for Equitable Practice and for additional resources, please visit my website. It is www.theblackprintforarchitects.org. And thank you for joining us today.